This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. We seem to play better at the bottom line. Um, didn't start fast enough. Didn't take advantage of uh, a couple great opportunities with the block punt and Dalvin Tomlinson's sack on fourth down. Um, so, you know, and then from there, just... Uh, uh, I think when you play Green Bay and you turn the ball over, they do a good job of making you pay for it. Um, and that was certainly the case tonight. So, um, you know, just ultimately need, need to play better. Need to start faster and play better. Bad Kirk Cousins reflecting. <laughs> We're going to turn this press conference around and go home right now. Yeah. Oh, man. Excuse me. People are uh, getting <laughs> choked up myself. I just hate it when the Packers beat the Vikings. Uh, some people pointed out on the, the YouTube edition of Vikings Ventline yesterday that Judd looks like a more weathered, like older, grizzled, depressed version of Kirk Cousins. People have said that you have, like when you have a shaved face, that you look a little yep. like older Kirk Cousins. Yep. Yep. And and when I posted the picture of, of uh, me on Twitter when I was 18, pe- people are like, whoa, you look just like Kirk Cousins. Wow. Look at really? you. I don't see I, it I at think all. It's hard because we we've we've seen you for like yeah. a decade, so it's hard. Like when uh, you see okay. someone that often, it's hard. Right. I don't see it at all, but I think there's a couple of things. One is I, I think through the eyes a little bit possibly, and I also think the fact that we both can't smile normally because he can't <laughs> smile either. He's got he's got exactly my problem. He never looks comfortable smiling. He does like, have an uncomfortable smile. Like yeah. for posed pictures, he's as bad as like he he'd be best off. My advice, don't smile. Just don't smile. And the difference, yeah. though, is Kirk shrinks in big moments sometimes. Mm-hmm. You rise up to the occasion professionally. Well, in big I moments. mean, we're nothing alike per- in personality. I'll tell you that right now. You're also Judge pretty good at fin- finessing those, you know, short-term but highly paid one-year, two-year contracts, too. Like, you're also yeah, really Judge. good at that. that that's another yep, good yep. Kirk trait right there. Always yep. flexing his leverage. Yep. yep. That's right. There's 31 other media outlets that would love to have yeah. these takes. Okay. Oh, God, no. Kirk is the master <laughs> at flexing his uh, negotiation leverage. I can't come close to Kirk Cousins. You like that? Well, you like that? some more therapy for you guys. You can find Vikings Ventline and then the Monday uh, pie chart and hottest Vikings takes on Purple Daily here on Mackie and Judd. We're going to hit you with statements on this Monday. We'll get to a what are you doing guy at some point. But Judd, you go ahead and lead us off with, I'm guessing, uh, largely Vikings-related statements here on this Monday. Yes, sir. I've got a bunch of them, and I'll start with this one. My first statement is a lesson learned. So this is a difficult one because Justin Jefferson didn't just have a bad game, one catch, 15 yards, 
but he got physically and probably more importantly, mentally intimidated. Jair Alexander, the Packers cornerback, who I thought made an enormous mistake last week by coming out and saying that Jefferson's game one success against the Packers was a fluke. And I thought, okay, here we go. JJ is going to show him. And I do not want to say, I'm being cautious here. I don't want to say that Justin is soft because the man has taken several killer hits and he gets right back up. So like to say that he's soft is just wrong. It's an overreaction. But to say that he should have learned a lesson from this, I think is absolutely fair. I mean, first of all, how do you have a guy get up after breaking up a pass in the first uh, quarter? So the tone is being set, like the tone is being set. And it's very clear that Cousins already thinks you're covered, so he's only going to throw to you occasionally. And Alexander interferes probably, but doesn't get a flag, so it's all fair, and then gets up and does the gritty in front of you. And you just sort of like, and that was the first time you sort of shook Shook his head. Jefferson shook his head, though, and you could see the frustration. But that was just sort of it. He went away. Um, You know, after the pick where Jefferson, I think it was the second pick Cousins threw. I think it was the second quarter. And Jefferson pursues the Packer uh, defensive back that made the pick. As he gets to the sideline, as the guy goes out of bounds, Jefferson is so frustrated, he takes off his helmet and almost hits the official because he's so mad. He and then did hit him too. But, but but here's what here's what frustrated me the most about that entire sequence. Jair Alexander came up and blocked Jefferson from behind. He pushed him in the back. He pushed him in the back. And again, we got nothing. And so Je- Justin Jefferson, just hear me clearly here, because I do not want people thinking that I called him soft. He has done a ton of things during the course of this season to show he is not soft. But yesterday he was. Yeah. And he was mentally soft and physically soft. And I just hope he learned the lesson that there are going to be days like that. And frustration does you no good. You have to fight through it. And I felt like, and I know he does not control getting the ball to himself, but I also felt like he got frustrated and he allowed that to overtake his entire game. Yeah. It, if that happens, the Vikings are dead because make no mistake, Justin Jefferson is the best player on that team. So if he mentally checks out because he's pissed off, you got no chance. I hope there was a lesson learned. Yeah, I think, too, you know, there's a lot of teams, I think, that if you have a cornerback trash talk you through the media on Wednesday or Thursday, call the first meeting a fluke, major whiteboard material. And then on the first pass breakup early in the game, does the gritty in front of you disrespectfully actually can't believe in today's NFL that that wasn't a 15-yard penalty? I was shocked, too. I agree with I don't, that. I don't want taunting to be a penalty, but it is a penalty. And how that wasn't a 15-yard penalty is, is kind of a miracle for the Packers. But I think there's a lot of teams, there's a lot of competitors at quarterback, wide receiver, other positions, coach, that if they were to see that after the trash-talking midweek... They would have seen red for the rest of the game. And it would have been a mission to make that dude look like a clown for the next two and a half hours. Yep. And the Vikings just, like, didn't have that. How do you get punked Wednesday, Thursday through the media? He does the gritty dance in front of you, and you don't punch back at all? Like, you don't if, – if I'm if I'm Kirk, the next chance I get, I'm going right to Justin I'm, – I'm literally throwing the ball to Justin Jefferson five times in a row if needed – so Jefferson can get up, do a first down signal in that dude's face and show, oh, you want to taunt us? Yeah, we are back. here too. This is a fight. Yep. And they just like 
It's almost like they don't have that personality or something. So I was, and I with you, I don't think JJ's a soft player, but the whole sequence, the whole thing just felt wrong and weird and soft. And from JJ to Kirk to just everything about it. And I get that you're playing with backup offensive linemen here and there, but my God, like, don't get punked like that, you know? And when Jair pressed him at the line, like, which is, which by the way, is what you should do. You should take that opportunity to hit him as hard as you possibly can. There was no response there. The other thing that I don't get from O'Connell's point is, okay, they double bracketed Jefferson with Jair traveling with him, which is a smart thing. They didn't do that in in week one, which really confused me because that was dumb. Um, but if you're going to do that and Jefferson's going to follow him all over the field, if you're O'Connell, don't you have a pick play? And I would have had Thielen blast Alexander as hard as possible. And wh- while he's down on the ground, Thielen can stand o- over Jair and say, how'd you like that, buddy? Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, you've got, this is football, you guys. This is not patty cake. You know, football. you you yeah. got to do things at times. And, and nope. if... Not, no offense to Patty Cake, you know we don't want to make Patty Cake. Oh, Patty Cake, Patty Cake trade. But if you are, but if you pick him and he goes down, you might get fifteen yards. I don't care. This is all about setting a tone. And when Jair did the gritty, it set a tone that that the Vikings never got back. You can't I, allow that. I thought that was a fatal mistake in the moment by the Packers and Jair Alexander. I thought, wow. Ran, it was flag. a random second down. I thought it was a fl- would have been a flag. I agree with that. But even beyond that, I thought, oh man, this is just like kind of a random second down play early. If the Vikings needed to be woken up, this is going to do it, and it didn't. How did it not? He he taunted you in your face with your dance. I know. If you're a quarterback, if you're a receiver, like how does that not just make you apoplectic in the That's moment? What I'm saying. Exactly. So go, if, some, go if somebody him. from another Level. podcast were to walk in here and do the Judd Zolgad signature glasses off, I'm about to deliver <laughs> a hot take. I'd come to, kick their ass wherever they him. are. Yeah. Oh, you. Yeah. You want to step foot on our pot? You want to come on our territory? Yep. With Judd signature glasses off, here it is. Fillet someone? Yeah. You better. You better watch your back. Clowns. Yeah, that did bother me. Soft. All right, Dex. What's your statement? All right, my, my Sorry, first I'll statement. Give you the official sounder here. There you go. <laughs> my statement is catch the damn football. And I'm looking at you, TJ Hawkinson. Whoa. Catch the damn football, mm. dude. Four drops yesterday. One that was kind of iffy, but it basically led to a pick six for the Green Bay Packers. He's your second best option on this offense for Kirk Cousins when he's when he's throwing the football. TJ Hawkinson, you're going to get the ball a lot. They're going to target him a lot. They did that a lot last week. Um, obviously in their win against the Giants, they're going to target both those dudes a lot. And his drops, which have honestly been a kind of a mis, kind of been a bugaboo for him since coming over here, that he's had some drops. Dude, you got to catch the football. Stalling out those drives, leading to pick sixes. He catches those passes, and you sustain drives longer. A lot of this stuff that happened against Green Bay probably doesn't happen. So TJ Hawkinson, who I love, and I still want them to go to. This is not me saying pump the brakes on the targets to TJ Hawkinson, at least not yet. Right now, you need to catch the damn football, dude. TJ Hawkinson, come on, let's go. Yeah, he had a brutal first half, so he fell down. Some, I can't decide if the turf was... I mean, they all played on the same turf. Yeah. So if it was bad for the Vikings, it was bad for the Packers. And uh, But but he fell down on the first target, and the ball just kind of like... I think it might have bounced off of him while he was on the ground. 
And then uh, then there was that pass by Cousins that was, man, that was like 20, 25 yards down the field. It looked like a dime. Maybe it was a little overthrown, but it just it kind of went through the outstretched hands of Hawkinson. And then um, the pick six. That's a bang-bang play. Is he covered? Should Cousins have gone somewhere else? Should Hawkinson have cut inside further and, and come back to the ball? I don't know, but like, he, he tried Hawkinson a few times, and um, there's just some some missed opportunities, and then, the, and then the pick six. It was a pretty brutal first half. So this is part of the problem a little bit, and it, it was not a problem at all in the Giants game, but it was against the Packers. This is the issue at times with your primary tight end, who's not named uh, Kelsey, uh, being your second receiver, right? Because like a wide receiver, there, there was the one ball that was – the Hawks stretched out for, and he just missed. And it's like, damn, if that's a, a receiver, he catches that ball probably on the run. But Hawkinson's a big guy. So I think this is the problem with Thielen not being able to catch passes he used to catch. Yeah. Because Hawkinson's drops, a couple of them, were definitely wide receiver intended type passes. The Vikings don't have that that guy now. And I think it's why they, at uh, at a certain point, then started to use Osborne more. Because it's clear the formula coming off the Giants game was Jefferson, Hawkinson, Thielen, Osborne. And and since he got here, Hawkinson's done a lot of good things. But I think that we did see some drops where he is he is just not that guy. Yeah. He can catch the ball. But if you have him on a route, it might be, you know, he might catch it. But he's also not fast enough to catch up to it consistently. I think yeah. that's part of the issue here. My first statement is actually a question. It's a rhetorical question. Where was Zadarius Smith? Let's play a game called, how many pressures did Zadarius Smith have yesterday? Judd, would you like to guess? Oh, boy, one. Declan, would you like to guess? That's actually correct. Declan held up a zero. A zero sign for the audio audience. Zero? I get that you're kind of banged up, but... Dude, like so the Vikings as a team had seven pressures all yeah. afternoon in that game. And now, you know, the Packers wound up only throwing 26 passes because, or they, they dropped back 26 times, 24 attempts because they had a big lead and they just ran the ball down the Vikings' throat. And it worked, yes. And it worked. And so there's a whole run game thing to be accounted for here, too. But um, I don't know how you play football for three hours and you're Zadarius Smith and you have no pressures at all whatsoever. A lot of quick-hitting stuff. Rodgers isn't stupid. He's not going to sit back there and and uh, and be headhunted. But they just couldn't really find a way to, to make him uncomfortable in addition to getting gashed by the run game. So the, the tale of this season, the first half of the season, Zadarius was legitimately, I think, I don't think he was like a Tier 1 contender, but he was in the conversation for Defensive Player of the Year first seven or eight games led the NFL in pressures and because he came out of the gate so hot he still is like top six or top eight in pressures um but the second half of the year I don't know if it's age if it's just like the nagging injuries but he's not been the same guy scheme that's what I was gonna ask that's what I you know what that's my question my question is is and yes he he's been been hurt and since that knee became a problem he's definitely tailed off so that's fair to say. But, yeah, scheme. I felt like yesterday we were a little bit back to, okay, Ed can go back to what Ed likes to do. The shell, yes. The shell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll shell him up. And, you know, 
you got gashed in the run game. You got absolutely gashed. So why throw when you can run, especially on, on a cold day like that? Yeah. So, well, yeah, that was frustrating to watch. Let's take a peek here real quick at how many times did they I'm send? Done with this defense. I'm oh, done. God. Well, I'm it is done. now the se- points-wise, it is the second-worst defense in the NFL now ahead of only the Chicago Bears. So if you get... If that game goes sideways, you could wind up. The Vikings are giving up 26 points per game. Bears are at 27. Yeah. So they have a, they have a shot to be, and they're I think they're third from the bottom in uh, yards per play. But that got smoothed out because the Packers just like sat on the ball for the entire second half. So. It's time for a teardown, boys. It's time for a teardown. We got the property. Tear down the house. Build a nice new mansion. <laughs> a defensive mansion. And how long will it? Will it take you to do so? All right. Uh, Judd, your next statement is presented by the official sports bar of the sports dad himself, Judd Zilgad. Park Tavern in St. Louis Park. Oh, man. And I love that, that, that place. In fact, I stopped in on Friday and got a couple of uh, Surleys. Enjoyed them. Talked to my friend, bartender Nick. I've made a new friend, you guys. <laughs> you guys say I can't make friends. Nick and I, he's like, Judd, what's going on? I'm like, Nick, what's going on? I make new friends all the time. You guys just don't know it because Judd's I'm great at small there. talk, too. I'm a social. No, Nick's great, man. Nick is Nick is one of the best Nick. bartenders because he's busy, but he negotiates the bar well and he talks to everyone, which is a which is which is a really good here for thing. bartender Tenders. Nick. Nick's fantastic, but Park Tavern, stop Taffer. in and see him. Stop in and see Nick. Watch the games. I was watching some hockey. I was watching some college football, and of course, you can go bowling or. Get a group together and take that, that group. I mean, it might be a party. It might be a birthday party. Guys, if you want to be a hero, if your wife has a party, has a birthday coming up, throw her a party. Park Tavern, invite as many people as you want because they will take care of things. Parktavern.net or 952-929-6810. 952-929-6810. Parktavern.net. I'm telling you right now, though, bartender Nick, it's a good one. That's very difficult to be good at talking to people while you are busy and still be in a good mood, Park Tavern, though, they've got it all going for them. We do love bartender Nick. Uh, we also love Federated Insurance. They've been around for over 100 years. Federated is all about maximizing the success of your business through risk management tools and resources. They provide a great guiding hand. It's like having a great offensive line to protect your business, looking out on the horizon for risks that could ding your business. Whether the waters of business are choppy or smooth, Federated is here to help you navigate them. Federatedinsurance.com, where it's our business to protect yours. Okay, Judd. All right. We saw the ghost of Kirk past on Sunday. (laughs) The winds were blowing, dark, dreary day in Green Bay, and who came in? Not Kirk O'Chains, but the ghost of Kirk past. That was what we remembered. That was the type of game that we, where, where it gets out of control. I think the best phrase is this. It starts to snowball. And it feels like there's times when the snowball starts to go d- downhill, and now it's going, and now it's going, and Kirk is caught up in that snowball, and there's no recovery. You think briefly there might be, and there has been at times in 2022, there was at least, uh, but that was the, that was the very much... Uh, Ghost of Kirk Past, which included, before he got taken out for his own safety, a late touchdown, some late stats that meant nothing. The team collapses around him, but he doesn't help things. 
Um, when when people say, oh, look at Kirk Cousins now, Mackie and Judd and Declan, yeah. you guys have egg on your face. I could point to that performance and say, that's why I am not always convinced. That was a reminder of the guy that we saw. And keep in mind, those late stats count. Those late stats go on his statistics. So you can say, but look at those stats. And I say, look at when those stats were provided. That was the old Kirk Cousins on Sunday. You know, he threw the three interceptions. And, of course, you can sit here and say, well, he's he's to blame for that one, not to blame for there was a tipped one. And then there was the 50-50 one to Hawkinson that got kind of yeah. you know knocked off Hawkinson. Uh, there was one that was just straight up. He, I think he tried to find Thielen and just got picked. It was just a bad pass. Or you know, and just choosing to throw it to Thielen, who's covered, is not a good decision these days. He's always covered, so. But the three interceptions, however you want to slice up the blame for them, were all clean pockets, non-blitzed snaps. The PFF grades are out. Oh boy! Right now, I could, I could tell from the look on your face. Yeah. So he was uh, he was kept clean on seventy-one percent of his dropbacks, which is pretty good. It's pretty good. And all three interceptions came clean pocket, no blitz. So that's the thing. Like, if you give him a clean pocket, he's supposed to dissect you, right? He's supposed to pick you apart. Well, he threw three interceptions with a clean pocket. And sometimes it happens. And by the way, I think it's now 14 picks on the year, which is a career high for Cousins. And I think, you know, they've tapped into some of the upside of fourth quarter comebacks and big Justin Jefferson games because he's more aggressive. So the, we, I think all of us said we're, we're fine with some interceptions if we get some, some, to tap into the upside of you know big home run plays or whatnot. So I can live with the interceptions, but yesterday it was not a pressure thing. I mean, it wasn't a literal pressure thing. It might have been a figurative pressure thing, playing a big game. Oh, yes. Yeah. Nationally televised game. They melted. Right? But, uh, they all melted. Yeah. yeah. All right, Declan, your next statement. All right, my next statement is stop shooting yourself in the foot. So the Vikings on numerous occasions, especially yesterday, kick return for a touchdown, pick sixes, missed field goals, not punching in at the one-yard line on first and goal, self-sabotaging yourself to the hundredth degree. There was so many moments in this game where you could look at and say, if this goes right, and I don't like to play completely a what-if game, especially when it comes with the Vikings, but there was so many self-sabotaging moments yesterday for the Vikings against the Packers that just simply cannot happen in the playoffs. You know, you, you're you going to lose some games here when they lost to the Lions this season. That was just a loss. But the losses to the Cowboys, the losses to the Eagles especially, that was the, probably the most self-sabotage game because you still had every chance and every right and every opportunity to come back from that Eagles loss, and you didn't. And there was moments in this Packers game where they, they get a big stop on fourth down. They get a big block punt on, on uh, to force a ball at the one-yard line. They're doing all these great things, and it's just a self-sabotage, shooting yourself in the foot. It's one step forward, two steps back. Stop the self-sabotaging. Yeah. And, and part of the reason why they were winning so many of these games close is because they were they were not a penalized team. They weren't a team that would move five yards back in a big situation. And yesterday was the complete opposite. It's like trying to come back and you can't figure out the snap count. Trying to come back and someone does something stupid or holds or you know whatever whatever it was. Mm-hmm. So I think even if you played a clean game, you probably still lose. But it doesn't help when you're when you're trailing early and you're doing all that dumb stuff. I'm curious to hear Declan's rebuttal to this, but my statement is Greg Joseph is not reliable. I know that he kicked a 61-yard game winner, and that made everyone feel very good about themselves, 
But if you start to look at all the kickers in the NFL, I'm trying to find one here. It looks like Brandon McManus has missed eight field goals. Greg Joseph has missed seven. But McManus has only missed two extra points to Joseph's five. So I think the 12 missed kicks by Joseph are the most of any kicker in the NFL. 12 missed kicks on the season. And he's now three for nine from 50-plus yards, which is not good. It's it's well below the league average. For, for instance, Daniel Carlson is 10 for 12 <laughs> on 50-plus yarders. Justin Tucker is 8 for 13. Chase McLaughlin, the random Colts kicker, is 8 for 11. McManus, 8 for 13. So you have all these kickers. Uh, Brett Mayer, Marr from Dallas, 9 for 11 from 50 yards. It shouldn't be that much. Oh, hell, Jason Myers from Seattle, 6 for 6. He's a Seattle kicker. It's windy and cold. I live here. Kicking outside for half the game. Uh, No, I can't. Graham Gano, 8 for 9. We act like a 50-yarder is like, oh, well, we'll see here. No, you should make these, dude. Make these kicks. So I just, I know he kicked the 61-yarder, but I every time he lines up, I think he's going to miss right. I really do. Yeah, I mean, the the simple answer here is just what you said on your statement. It's make your GD kicks, dude. Just make your kicks here. Um, the 50-yarders are obviously been a, been a problem for him because now kickers have made it the norm. Now, he did boot a 61-yard field goal to win you a game last week, which was pretty damn impressive. And if, look, they're going to have to turn to him in the playoffs. That's that's accurate. There's probably going to be a moment that comes even in the wild card round where they're going to be potentially tied or down by one or two. They are going to need three points in the worst possible way from Greg Joseph, where, God forbid, they need to go up to tie or win the game, and he misses an extra point. He's only as good as his last kick. That, I'll, borrow, I'll, borrow, I'll borrow a term from Bill Guerin, who always talked about Kevin Fiala. He's good at his last game he played. So when he comes up and he has to make a kick in the playoffs, make the kick in the playoffs. Not going to really have too much. Uh, if, if he's making those kicks in the playoffs, that's all I care about. Well, percentage-wise, he uh, is less likely to make those kicks in the playoffs than any kicker. He, well, not any kicker, I guess. He's 30th of 33 qualified kickers in field goal percentage, make wow. percentage. Wow. And he ha- and he does have the most missed extra points. He's t- I'm sorry, he's tied with uh, Cairo Santos from Chicago with the most missed extra points this season. Um, in terms of uh, his kickoffs, problematic. Touchback percentage, only 62%. You want to know how you give up a kick return touchdown? When you can't kick a touchback. If you kick touchbacks, you don't give up kick return touchdowns. It's a pretty simple math equation. And there are some dudes out there, Dustin Hopkins with the Chargers, 90% touchback percentage this year. Uh, Greg Zerline, 83%. Cameron Dicker, uh, 82% touchback percentage. Greg Joseph is is basically a coin flip to kick a touchback. So, yeah. Yeah. Dude. And he really worries me now. If if you do win your first round playoff game, and let's say you go to San Francisco, that turf is very tricky. That's not great. And so now it's like, well, it's the turf, right? And the conditions, and then potentially Philadelphia, potentially. Yeah, um, yeah it 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 has me very concerned, and has since day one. Yeah. I remain concerned. All right, let's uh, let's transition here. We're gonna. We're going to get to some more statements here on this Mackie and Judd Statements Monday.
But uh, I think it's time for what are you doing, guy? Our what are you doing, guy of the week here. Judd, why don't you take this one here? I'm going to pick on a very popular guy in this town. At least he was until Sunday. What are you doing, guy? What are you doing, Kevin O'Connell? What are you doing? For the second time, if not the third time, but I'm going to go second for sure. Dallas at home and then the Packers on Sunday. Your arch rival. Your arch. I don't care when you play them. I don't care where you play them. Um, You want to exchange punches with the Green Bay Packers in any way, shape, or form. What were you doing in the week leading up to this game when you took them, you took your team outside to practice? I thought you were preparing for this game. I thought you were going to have a good week, as you called it after the game on Sunday, a good week of preparation. Good and week, yet, a great week of preparation. <laughs> preparation yet, H. Yeah. Like Dex said, you block the damn punt. You're at the one or the two. You got a chance to punch it in. Really punch them quickly, too, right? So, like, you got a chance to to – you pretty easily score a touchdown. And now it's seven rip and you've set a tone. Instead, you allow the tone to be set because your offense, and by the way, this is your baby, your car can't get from point A to point B, and it's one yard. It's one yard. I've got a list of things here from like, what are you doing against your arch rival? And you have a chance, keep in mind, to end their season. Like this is the ultimate we've got scoreboard because you could have left saying we just eliminated the green Bay Packers. Yeah. The team that we hate the most, your offense was a train wreck. You had no answers, which by the way, you need to, you know, you know, to a certain degree, what your quarterback is capable of doing. And one thing he is not capable of doing is pulling his team from the fire by himself. But instead Jefferson, when you knew damn well what was going to happen there, too. The Jair Alexander thing was not like, a, oh, my God, they where'd this guy come from? You knew he was going to travel with, with Justin the entire game because he didn't in week one, and that was a major mistake. And you have no answers there. Kirk Cousins starts to disintegrate, and there's no response. There's no response to anything. You basically gave up early on trying to run the ball on a cold day. Um. Your defensive coordinator is a mess, and you keep like he's your defensive coordinator is the stubborn kid who's like, eh, if I act like I'm listening this week, he'll leave me alone next week. And so every once in a while, we sit down with Donna Shell and we say, "Easy Ed, we need more from you. I can tell you right now that I can scheme up your defense for for me being an offensive guy." And Ed's like, "I got it, Coach. I got it. I got it." And he makes some changes. And then he goes back to, but my system works. He told you all you need to hear at the podium, I think it was three weeks ago, when he said, my system works. He wasn't joking around. That was what he believes. And yet, we just continue to watch this. Um, The other thing, post-game, small thing, but to me, frustrating. So, O'Connell's done a marvelous job of galvanizing this team and setting a culture that I really do like. But he was asked a couple of questions at his post game, very fairly, about the conditions on the field and why guys were slipping. And if they were prepared with the right cleats, which, by the way, in football is pretty damn important. Mm-hmm. And he basically said, well, we told them, but you're never going to tell someone what type of cleats they can wear. Uh, what? Yeah, you did. Yes, you can. And they no, all had to ba- change their cleats. are a bunch of 24. 24- well, in the Vikings case, it's like. Some twenty-four-year-olds, some thirty-two-year-olds. Sure, but, but you're. But if you have coaches that have been in the NFL for twenty-five or 
in KOC's case, 15 years, they know better. Yes. And they have former Packers like Smith, like Sullivan, who basically talked about what that field is like. Because that, I think it was about five years back or so, that field now is a combination of grass and and artificial turf of some sort that's woven in. Because it used to be brown. Like the grass used to die, which looked bad, but probably provided a little bit better traction because now it's this it's this combination thing. So it looks green, but it's not all grass. Someone speculated po- that they water it down aggressively for yeah, opponents that. that they want to slow that down conspiracy. to, which would make sense. It's like, we're they, water, and they can do that. Water but, it down. We're going to run the ball, and we're going to make them slide all over the place with their receivers. But the fact is, like, I completely agree with empowering your players to a certain point. But if you know one thing, like the traction is going to be a big deal, then you know what? It's very much your place to say, here's what. I need you guys to do, not would you please. So Kevin O'Connell, in the Dallas loss and this loss, I feel like you sort of got exposed, or you did just flat flat out get exposed. What are you doing, guy? You are in charge of this football team, and you just got embarrassed by your arch rival, and you did nothing to really help Kevin O'Connell. Dude, what are you doing, guy? What are you doing, guy? Um, yeah, it's, uh, that, that's great, dude. I think I... Very good. I don't have a whole lot to add to that. That was a great rant. Nice job. And you know what? Hopefully he learns. It's just that there's a fine line between empowering and not taking control when necessary. Yeah. No, I think, um, I guess the the one thing I will add is he is still trying to feel some of this stuff out as a first-year coach, too. And, you know, how, how much should he come down? How much should he be patient? I think there is. In fact, let's just transition back into statements here. I'll give you this one. One of the things that he's learning is he hired the wrong defensive coordinator. Now, there's some personnel issues. You can maybe put some of that on Kwesi. You know, why are there a bunch of 31-year-old, 32-year-old dudes running around on defense? Maybe have one of them or two of them. I think just getting younger and faster would help this Vikings defense. Maybe they don't know where they're supposed to be all the time, but at least they can cover ground and make some plays, You know, fly around a little bit. And so my uh, my next statement here is, I don't know that Ed Donatel makes it to the team plane. Well, if they play a home game and they lose, I don't think Ed Donatel makes it to the following morning before he's fired, whenever the Vikings season is over. I think it's the first big move that Kevin O'Connell makes. He's already shown some frustration in press conferences. They've had to have come-to-Jesus meetings a couple times this year to figure out ways that they can unlock defensive players. And for this to happen again, and and I get that, like, two of the touchdowns were not the defense's fault. But the defense, let's take those away. The defense still gave up a ton of yards on the ground, 27 points of their own. It was a disaster again. It was not a performance that you can hang your hat on. They played one of the plays, a third down play with 10 guys on the field. That alone should disqualify you at this point. Dude, why? Your your veterans are screaming at you on the field. Call a timeout. Yep. What are you doing, dude? Either just run a player out. And by the way, Harrison Phillips was the guy that ran out for the next play. So and they were a they were a defensive lineman short, I believe, on the the, the third down and ten. But God, like it's a third and ten. What are you doing? And they got it. And and Nance was clowning them. Romo was clowning them. Like at one point, players are screaming. The play, like, and Rogers is like. What the hell? Like, he took his time, so he yeah. gave them – and Romo draws 
the Chiron and circles the sideline and said, just run a guy on from here. Dude. Run this guy on me, circling guys they could have run on the field. It's embarrassing. It was it's awful. embarrassing. Yeah. And for your and, and you could I'm sure if you were to really pick it apart and do a pie chart of blame for just that one play, there's probably a whoever is the position coach on the position that was shorted, right? And I, I so again I think it was the defensive least so you could say like the defensive line coach or something. You're in charge of your position grouping for each play. It's like we talked about this on Ventline. When when uh, the Vikings had 12 men on the field in the NFC Championship game, Eric Bieniemy was the running back slash fullback position coach that like misheard the formation and ran an extra guy out there. But at the end of the day, there's 10 guys on the field. The ball's not being snapped yet, and you're the defensive coordinator. You need to step into action in that situation and either run down KOC, we need a timeout, 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 or just run, literally run a human being, any human being with a uniform on the field. And for him to be paralyzed in that moment was just such a like encapsulation of the entire season under Ed Donatel for that defense. So. All right, my next statement. I'm going to say Super Bowl or bust because I saw a great tweet from our buddy Steve Palazzolo at PFF yesterday during the Vikings game. I think he tweeted this out probably near the first half, by halftime. He tweeted, the Vikings are either winning the Super Bowl this season or losing a playoff game by 40 points. Yep. There is no in-between, and I could not agree more with this. Now, the funny thing <laughs> is, right. is this tweet, the Vikings are winning the Super Bowl or they're losing a playoff game by 40. I've already experienced the losing a playoff game by 40 basically twice. I'll chalk the Eagles in the Giants loss together. I know that wasn't the 40-burger that... Uh, they did. They laid against Philadelphia, but it basically felt like that. It's either Super Bowl or you're losing a playoff game by 40 points this season. Um, yeah, I think he's right. The, the Vikings are 12 and four. They have banked enough wins. They have a path here to host potentially multiple playoff games still, despite all this negative point differential and these blowout losses. So there's a path for them to get to the Super Bowl that's a lot easier than the other teams in the conference, just because they have the home field advantage potentially. But they also could lose that playoff game either at home. Or on the road by 40 points, and it probably wouldn't surprise me. So it's Super yeah. Bowl or bust here. Let's go. It's amazing. Yeah, I saw another tweet too from uh, Aaron Schatz at uh, the founder. Of, I think he's the founder of the managing editor at Football Outsiders. And uh, so their metric, and we bring this up on the state of the offense Thursday, we do offensive DVOA, but they have you know, full team DVOA, which is essentially where does your team rank if you take every play that's been played this season? Within the context, like they throw out garbage yardage or they reduce the value of it, they they take into account strength of schedule, everything. They just they have a an analytical way of ranking teams. It's from year to year very very accurate in terms of who the best teams are. The Vikings, according to DVOA, have you guys seen this? Yeah, I did. No, are ranked twenty eighth in the NFL. And he he sent that out. He said the Vikings after that game are now twenty eighth in DVOA. This is not not a joke. He goes, "What a crazy season!" or whatever the tweet was. So yeah, like I could like I don't I I I can't see them winning the Super Bowl at this point because I just there's no way that they can just walk this high wire through four of the best teams in the NFL. But I could see them pulling out two magical victories or something, and then getting stomped by forty in the NFC Championship game. But it's it's hard to have faith that they can win four games doing it this way at this point. With these, they step in these right. landmines, and it's like <laughs> not even a close game after and the first And against really good minutes. teams, like you said. Like, yeah. quality opponents. Yeah. 
Here's my next statement. It might be time to rethink substitution patterns. Did you guys notice that for the second consecutive week, there were series on which the linebackers, but more importantly in this case, safeties were taken out and rested for a series. Mm-hmm. On the Robert Tunyon touchdown pass in Lambeau Field, Easy Ed took Harrison Smith off the field, and yes, that was Josh Metellus. God bless him. I think he's a nice player. That was Josh Metellus in for that series, which led to Rodgers' first touchdown pass of the game. Now, I understand Harrison Smith's a veteran. I understand he's banged up, and I understand that that you are trying to put into motion uh, late in the season a sort of rest factor. But when you take... If you're going to have Harrison Smith on your roster on in Lambeau Field, he needs to be playing because he's the guy who understands what's going on. He sets a lot of things in motion. He is he is a savvy veteran. He's no he's not the player that he once was, but he's probably yeah. smarter than ever, okay? And Tanyan, who is a tight end, catches that ball and you could tell there was safety confusion there. Guess who doesn't probably get confused? Harrison Smith. Now, I understand against the Giants at home, where it's far more of a controlled environment because you are the home team, Ed. I understand that you might think it's smart to to rest a guy like Smith for a series or two, and that actually comes from KOC. But the point is, I'm sure the timing is up to Donatel. But in Lambeau Field, you're telling me, in a game that's getting away, getting away but not gone yet, you're telling me that that's the time to pair Cam Bynum with Metellus. It and feels very Twins-like, doesn't it? Harrison Smith? I mean, come on. Yeah. Yes, so Harrison, does. the Vikings, let's see here. I don't know how many total snaps they had. It was like 63 total defensive snaps. And Harrison Smith was out there for 47. And I'm guessing he was out of the game in some garbage time down the stretch too. So I think that was kind of the one series that he was out for. Um, does that one series... Keep you fresher. Well, I, I, and if like Aaron Rodgers, you're playing not Danny Dimes. It's like, like, like you said, it's very twins. Like it's very like. Well, but this is how we do things now. Yeah, I do think they've had some success rotating defensive linemen and keeping oh, some God, guys yeah. fresh who are in the trenches on every play. Hundred percent. And I do like that they have the last few weeks. They have found a bunch of snaps for Brian Asamoah. So Brian Asamoah played 26 snaps totally yesterday. Agree. So I like I like some of that. Um, but I'm kind of with you. They don't. I don't know, man. Harrison Smith, I don't know that you need to rest him as often as you would a defensive lineman in a football game. But Well, and if you're going to rest him for one series, it's not worth it when you're playing Aaron bleeping Rodgers, right? Yeah. And, and like next yeah. week, probably, he probably d- does not play. I'm fine with that. But what I'm not fine with is this game, again, against your arch rival who you can put a pin in their playoff hopes and you're like, well, this is our new system now. You're right. That's very Twins-like. Yeah, it's uh, it's rough. Um, Declan, before I get to the next statement here, mm-hmm. uh, do we have any any, any people that, that scored big on underdog that you saw here? Anyone that, that hit a bunch of unders for the Vikings, <laughs> I guess? Uh, old Dex tweets at the under, uh, you know, on, 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 the, on the A.J. Dillon. But unfortunately... I- he took the over on a Dalvin Cook touchdown. And when you parlay, oh, kids. What are you doing, that's, guy? What are you doing, guy? It's Dex tweets here. Come on, Dalvin. Just put, when they got at the one, I was like, oh, perfect. My underdog slip's going to get here. They're going to hand it off to Dalvin. 
Nice little no, six no. points and a nice little uh, parlay action for Dex. No, that's not it. But that's the fun sweat I get on Underdog Fantasy, which is the best and easiest way to play fantasy sports. You can sign up now, too, with promo code SCORE, S-K-O-R. They'll match your first deposit up to 100 bucks. And show us those slips. If you did take those unders, send us in those slips. We'll gladly show them on the show. Go download the Underdog Fantasy app. All right, my next statement here, boys. We touched on this on VentLine. I want to bring this this number to the table here because it's illustrating a huge problem. I guess my statement is I think it's time for Adam Thielen to ride off into the Vikings sunset. I don't know how they make that happen with the contract extension they gave him and all the guaranteed money that he is still owed to the cap. But when Thielen is matched up against man coverage after yesterday's game now, so going into the game, he was 88 out of 100 qualified receivers, and he's it's basically the same uh, after yesterday. Now there's only 94 qualified receivers, and he's 85th. So he's one of the 10 worst receivers in the NFL, yards per route run, against man coverage. Four years ago, not that long ago, 2018, yep. he was one of the six or seven best receivers in the NFL, yards per route run against man coverage. In 2018, he was ahead of OBJ, Michael Thomas, and DeAndre Hopkins. Those three guys were in their prime. It was like the first three guys you draft in your fantasy league, right, in 2018. And Thielen was better than those guys, yards per route run against man, man coverage. So, uh, again, I don't have a, a like a breakdown of how often he faced man yesterday in front of me. But when they are devoting the Packers that much attention to Justin Jefferson hey, we're going to put Jair Alexander on him and always have one or two other guys rotating his direction. That means Thielen has matchups, one-on-one matchups, either in either in zone or in man, right? He can't beat the man matchups. He can't. It's, it's you know, you, that's supposed to, yesterday is supposed to be a day where he feasts for like nine or 10 catches and 90, 95, 100, 110 yards, right? And, um, he just can't get there anymore. And so K.J. Osborne gets a little bit of it, but I thought that was a really telling stat that I found on Pro Football Focus that, wow, like statistically, you see it with your eyes, but the last four years, the erosion is um, is pretty eye-popping. Yeah, it's it's eye-popping, but it's not completely shocking. Like it, like we've seen him, I and mean, he's been hurt a lot. And the guy, to his credit, played an incredibly physical, hard game. Like, yeah. like it, he didn't try to avoid contact. So he was going to slow down. I, I think it's why we expressed some uh, surprise at the time when they signed him in the summer to the extension. Because it's like, okay, you just basically locked yourself into a guy who is clearly uh, has tread. And look, it's a salary cap league, and it's football. It's not a sport where you can be – like the worst thing in football that, that you can have is a blind loyalty to names. Because that causes you then to when, when those names, their play starts to dissipate, you're stuck. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, I feel like that last contract extension, you're paying him for the work he's already done, not the Terrible work he's idea. going to do. Amen. Big football yeah. thing right there. Yeah. Uh, back to Dax here. Yeah. One more from me. Uh, I'll just say get healthy. Get healthy here. You got the Bears coming up. You're pretty much locked into the three seed. There is an opportunity where you can still snag that second seed if somehow David Blau leads an epic win uh, against Brock Purdy. Who would have thought that it was Brock Purdy versus David Blau if you would have said in week week one of this season, hey, 
San Francisco will be playing for the one seed, but it won't be Trey Lance. It won't be Jimmy Garoppolo. It'll be Brock Purdy. And then Arizona's going to have an own quarterback fiasco and just disastrous season on its own. And they're going to snag a practice squad guy off the Vikings team. Uh, team and he's going to start the last season uh, for them, too. So I would say get get healthy here. Just take this, have this be a nice Nick Mullins-led game. Hell, I don't care if they start Josh Rosen, for God's sakes, who, who they also added to their practice squad. The Vikings did. So just take this week off here. You know what your fate is. You have to get right when, they, when you get to the playoffs here. There's no point for a big starter to play a lot of snaps. Just take it off and get healthy. I agree. I I totally agree with this. Is there any reason to risk further damage and injury, I no. guess I guess no, one really school not. thought is uh, un- until you're officially eliminated from the seeding that you that you try as hard as you can, but you might still be able to beat the Bears playing backups. I doubt yeah. it, but because <laughs> they're, they're going to want to finish their season on a high note, although they are also, aren't they sort of fighting for the number one pick? So maybe they rest some guys. Yeah, the Bears the Cardinals... might rest guys in order to get the number one pick. And the Cardinals will be completely checked out. They don't care. Yeah, I'm with Declan. Yeah, just uh, lick your wounds. San Fran's probably not losing at home to the Cardinals in this case. Rest up for the Giants. Yeah. All right, Judd, give us uh, us one more statement on your end. It might be too late. It might be too late. If Brian O'Neill is lost for the season, um, that is, to me, the anchor of that line. Like, he's... Darisaw's probably your best player now, just as far as... God-given abilities there, but Brian O'Neill has turned himself into a Pro Bowl type of rock-solid player, um, and I, I sense he leads that line. And if he's out now, and you're going to do what? Sign a guy off the street? Plug in Ole Udo? Like, come on! And now Bradbury's got the back. Um, I'm sure he, he won't play against the Bears. That'll be five games missed. So then you're certainly. Uh, hoping he can come back for the playoffs. But the problem with that is it's a back injury. So, like, he could come back for the playoffs, but if that thing flares up again in-game, you can't continue to play. Um, this offensive line certainly showed improvement. I want to make that clear. They they were not, to me, near the train wreck that they've been in recent years. They're starting to come together. Bradbury, to his credit, I shocked me by playing well. All of that being said, if you're going to tell me that potentially the the offensive line in a playoff game at any point, I don't care, starting or not, right, could be center Reed, right guard Ingram, right tackle Udo. Yeah. Um, I'm going to tell you it's been fun, and I'll see you in 2023 in training camp. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately. There, there's a man. I mean, it, and whenever this thing ends, whether it's, in a blowout loss in the first round of the playoffs, or maybe they somehow sneak their way into the NFC Championship game. There are so many interesting discussions to be had between like middle, oh, late January and when March free agency opens up. It's going to be like a five or six week frenzy. And cheap plug on Mackie and Judd and on Purple <laughs> Daily, we will have you covered for all of those discussions. I have one more statement. Late last night, I was curious. I, I, I thought in my head. The Vikings just seem to struggle playing on grass on the road. I mean, the only time they play on grass is on the road. Unless you go back to the 70s. And so I did a search on stathead.com. Over the past 20 seasons, I just went back the last 20 years, the Vikings have the NFL's fifth. So here's my statement. The Vikings are atrocious on grass. 
Over the past 20 seasons, the Vikings have the NFL's fifth worst record in road games played on grass. So I took every team. I took away their, there's a lot of teams that play home games on grass. So I took, I stripped out all of the home games on grass. Every NFL team, road games on grass. Vikings have the fifth worst record, 37, 62, and two, including playoffs in road grass games yep. since 2003. Yep. 37, 62, and two. It's pretty bad. They've been a. They've been, I think, across the board, pretty much a, notor- a notoriously bad team on grass and especially in cold since they they, they went to the to the dome in '82. Yeah, they just that's, yeah. and like you said before, Phil on on PD. Part of the problem is this team also is not very tough. This like, is like if you're one of the least grass, tough Vikings teams I can remember. You got to maul teams on grass. You got to get the running game going. You got to get the snot flying. On grass, that'll get that'll get you the football song. Thank you. Oh. I was trying to maul, and then I'm like, okay, I got to load a snot. It's just but, like, yeah, they just they pass more than almost any team. They play off coverage more than almost every team. It's just it's not exactly smash think, mouth football. Do you think 2023, for the first time in years, it feels like can finally bring this this offense a balance? Like it feels like with Zim, we were constantly bitching because they didn't pass enough. Yeah. And now we're like, you know, KOC, it's third and one. You can run the ball. Like, I, will 2023 finally bring a year of balance? Yeah, well, it's a, uh, I don't know. It's a, it is a new year, but it is the 2022 season still. So right. No, to... that's what I'm saying. I'm probably, <laughs> I'm probably talking about September of 23. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that is, uh, that's your Mackie and Judd episode for today. Again, a reminder over on Purple Daily. Our full Monday episode with the pie chart of blame and um, our hottest Vikings takes and also Vikings vent line from yesterday. If you if you can only listen to like a 10 minute portion, go like halfway in and find Bob in Pennsylvania and his brother just screaming for like five minutes at the at the screen. Just classic stuff there. So thanks for hanging out with us here. Uh, Daily Minnesota Sports Entertainment and Therapy on Mackie and Judd. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plug Door Chris Howard. University of Michigan QB J.J. McCarthy makes bold predictions but doesn't fulfill them, and Ohio State kicker Noah Ruggles misses an opportunity to etch his name in Buckeye lore. Fans love their teams and the players. That is, until they don't. When it comes to finger-pointing, you'll find no greater antagonist than the fan. Why? Because it means more to them, or so they believe. As a former player, nothing angers me more than armchair charlies accusing the teams of overlooking opponents or blaming players for providing bulletin board material. But leading up to the game, the fan is the one talking the most, boasting the most. When the team is winning, it's a lot of we talk. But when the team loses, it turns into they lost. You will never know what those moments feel like because you didn't put in the work to earn those feelings from those moments. That's the great thing about being part of a team. You win as a team, you lose as a team. We cry, we console our brother, we don't point the finger, we go back to work, back to the early morning workouts, the hill sprints, back to the bloody noses and broken bones. Why? Because it really means more to us. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fixed. And don't forget BetOnline for NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.